Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep history alive at the community level. I'm Tara Barrett, ICH researcher with Heritage NL. On today's episode, we talk with Stephanie Stoker, who is a participant of Heritage NL's Mentor Apprentice Program. Mentor Stephanie Stoker is an experienced educator of textile arts, having taught weaving, drawing, and design and color theory for over 10 years. Stephanie's experience in both Canada and Peru has allowed her to fine-tune her skills and gain a deep understanding of the detailed work that is weaving. Her apprentice is Chantelle Evans, so stay tuned for an episode with Chantelle. Hi, Stephanie, and welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. Um, so just to start off, I wanted to ask um, just a little bit about your background and how, like, where you grew up and kind of how you got your interest in weaving. So I am from St. John's. I grew up in in uh, St. John's in the West End and now live downtown. Um, I got my interest in weaving, I guess. Um, I did the textile and apparel design program of the College North Atlantic uh, years ago and uh, basically got into that course just because I knew I wanted to study some art or I felt like I wanted to study some art. I was in sort of getting close to my mid-20s and hadn't found anything else that I wanted to do. Uh, and it seemed like a great sort of culmination of different skill sets. So I went into that program and found weaving. I had never had any experience with it before. You know, I like to make, you know, those kind of woven bracelets when I was a kid and I love to get my hands into things. And I drew a lot as a kid and everything like that. But um, I really didn't find weaving until I, I did this program and uh, just fell in love with it. And so yeah. what, when did you do the program? Because I know, I know now you're a teacher there yourself. So how did, how did that kind of come about? Uh, so I think I took this program in, um, I have to count back, uh, probably early 2000s, I did this program. So, you know, almost 20 years ago, I did this program. Um, and then uh, when I was finished that, I took what I had learned in the program and some, you know, leftover Memorial University courses that I had scurried away and transferred them over to a Bachelor of Fine Art through NASCAD in Halifax. Um, and so that's, I got my degree there and kind of noodled around for a few years after that. And when I found myself back in, uh, back on the island, uh, I happily locked into a maternity leave position at the Anna Templeton Center slash College North Atlantic back then. And I basically worked my way upstairs. Nice. And so I guess um, one thing I'm wondering about is um, the mentor apprenticeship with Heritage NL, um, where you do teach uh, at the College of the North Atlantic. How does the apprenticeship kind of differ from the teaching that you do kind of regularly? Well, the what I do regularly um, is, of course, attached to curriculum that was developed between us here at the program as well as the college. So it has to tick certain boxes. It has to be um, applicable to what students need to go forward in their career or in their education progress, whatever the process, whatever that that may be. Uh, the mentorship is different because 
as the mentor, you just respond to what your apprentice asks of you. So it was it was more open in that, um, you know, basically, I was asked, can you do these things? Do you know how to do these things? And would you like to? And luckily, I, I knew how to do the things and, and I was able to. Uh, so I just, yeah, I just basically responded to my apprentice, to Chantel, what she wanted to learn. I tried to teach her or tried to find her the way to find out how to do it. Can you talk me uh, through a little bit of the process of, I guess, um, how you and Chantel ended up working together and what the apprenticeship was like? So Chantel was actually one of our students, um, it might even be the first year that I taught in the program for the College of North Atlantic. She was one of the first couple of years of students that I had. So I got to know her initially as a student. She went through the program um, and she did do weaving in the program. That was one of her areas that she focused on. Um, and so that was probably 10 or so or more years ago. She's since gone on to, you know, do amazing, wonderful things. And she, I guess, was just at, at a point in her life where she wanted she wanted to get back into it and she needed a way back into the process of weaving and the the both the techniques, the studio space, the headspace, the everything. So she contacted me and asked if I'd be willing to help her out with that. And I was overjoyed. Um, so it was really nice to reconnect with her and also because we already sort of had a standard of relationship or friendship, um, it was really quite easy to just start from there and and be really open and honest about what the goals and the the, the needs were and we just we just sort of worked through that. And I know Chantel came to you. So Chantel's in Labrador. And did you also go up yep. to visit her? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So when, um, because Chantel is in, in Labrador and Makovic, uh, obviously we have a distance issue. Um, and so we had to sort of in the beginning when we were thinking about doing this, figuring out the best way for her uh, to be able to work. Um, so we figured that, you know, main things was she needed access to, to, to a loom and a space where she could work with me uh, without interruptions, um, pretty focused time to be able to check off the boxes that she had, um, that she had made for herself. So we, I got permission from, um, my supports from from the College of North Atlantic and from Anna Templeton Center to actually let um, Chantel use our weaving space that we have here at the uh, program uh, because there was a week off and it was just we just basically built it around the times that made sense for everybody involved. Um, but then it was also really important, obviously, if she's going to sustain doing the work and be able to make her own work, she's not going to come to St. John's every time she needs to weave. So it, it only made sense for us to also build in some time where I could go to Makovic and basically help her uh, set up her studio space, get her head around where that would be, how that would work in her, you know, in her, in her spaces that she has there. Um, to make sure that when I wasn't around, she was able to continue to do the work. 
so we did we had time here and then we spoke uh you know using internet and then i went up there in the spring and i spent a week a week up there uh helping her out and so did you <clears throat> sorry did you put a, a loom together did she order a loom like did you set up the studio space uh like i guess practically when you were up there yeah we did so she had been gifted a loom uh years ago uh, but looms are big things and they're, you know, there's reasons why people don't have them in their houses really, because they take up a, a fair amount of space. So you need dedicated space and, and, and that's really important, especially when you have a family to make sure that it's feasible. So she had a loom in a community space, um, but it wasn't being used for many reasons, you know, when it's out of sight, out of mind, we all know that. So we, we took apart that we kind of sat with the loom in the space and kind of talked about the pros and cons and the realities. And then we, you know, after a while realized, let's just take this loom apart and pretend we're cleaning it. And so we took the loom apart, we cleaned it up and then we realized why, we, let's not put this back here. We haven't taken it apart. So we put it in the, we got a, some transportation and we, we brought it back to her home where we had, talk together about how the space could be reutilized um, so that it would be, you know, closer to her and and visual and, and be seen and, and a reminder, you've got this, you can do this here. So we put it back together in our home um, in a space she had there and it was all nice and clean. And we uh, talked about what it is she would like to weave on the loom the first time and we we created that uh, or she created that pattern and that draft and she you know we she uh, got to work on making her warp we dressed the loom we got it on there and I left her all ready to go. Awesome and one thing I'm, I usually ask is kind of what materials or what um, tools are needed to do weaving. Mm -hmm. I know I know we talked so, about them. Yeah, so for for uh, I guess production weaving or loom weaving, you need a you need a, a, either a table loom or a floor loom, um, and so the floor loom is what uh, Chantel has. Uh, but then also, you know, the the other parts of that is you need something to be able to create your warp, which is the very long repeated threads that get loaded onto the loom. So she needed to make she needed to make sure she had a warping mill, which uh, I believe her father built her. Um, so that was great because you have, you know, if you don't have that, then you've got a mess. Um, and then there was other little bits and I was able to kind of bring, pull some things together, um, that I had extras of, um, but you need your shuttles, you need your, um, you know, all your bits and bobs, your measuring tapes. She's a seamstress. So she had a lot of what she needed, scissors, um, pins, all those things, um, but, um, she, you know, luckily there's not a huge amount of things that you need to weave with, but the things that you do need to weave, they're not, you know, you don't just find them anywhere. So they're sort of specialty items. Um, and uh, I think there was one thing, I think we had to replace the brake on her loom. And so I, that was one thing we had to, we had to purchase new um, and we were able to do that. So uh, that was great. Um, and a bobbin winder. Bobbin winders are great things to have or your wrists get very, very tired very quickly. And so can you walk me through, I guess, the process for anybody who doesn't know um, 
how do you start weaving and like how long does that process take? I know it would depend on kind of what project, what, what you're actually making, but um, can you walk me through that process? Um, so weaving, you know, to say that it takes a certain amount of time, I always feel like that's not really true. I think different weavers take different amounts of time and how long you've been weaving directly influences how long it takes you to do things because your body creates muscle memory, you know, and so the more you do something, the, the less you have to think about it, and the more rapidly you can get it done. Um, so the process really um, for weaving, for me anyway, this is my process, you know, once, once you figure out uh, a project, you know, if you're not just um, doing sampling, or even if you are just doing sampling, you figure out what, what it is that you want to make, you know, what are you making the warp, or what are you making the weaving for? And that allows you to figure out basically, okay, well, how much fiber am I going to need thread, wool, silk, whatever it is that you're weaving with. And then you basically get into the warp math, which is the point when all my students roll their eyes and groan really harshly. Um, you have to do your warp math. So you basically have to use a series of formulas that after a while are really quick and make a lot of sense. But at the beginning, it can be a little bit frustrating. Uh, you know, you have to figure out how wide is my warp going to be? So how wide is my weaving? Uh, how long does it need to be, you know, to weave it? Does it need, do I need extra sample length? Do I need extra fringe length? And I add all those things in and is my wool stretchy? Is it going to be, you know, longer on the loom than it is that when I take off because it bounces back or, you know, different things like that. So you basically have to do your math. How long is it? How wide is it? You know, multiply a bunch of things together and you get, I need this much fiber. And then uh, you have to make your warp, which is the really long thread. So you have to, you know, most of us either have some sort of um, uh, a frame that has multiple pegs on it. And we use those pegs to draw the, the length of thread through and up and around. And then we come back down and we repeat that, you know, until we have the number of threads uh, that we need at the, at the length that we need. Um, and then, once you have that done, if you're not dyeing your your fibers, you sit down and you you get your reed, which is this long, it almost looks like baleen whale teeth. It's this long piece that goes at the front of the loom and it has little spaces between middle um, sort of little strips and you pull your threads one thread through each little space, making sure you don't miss a space or you don't put two threads in one. So I always tell my students, the quickest way to weave is slowly. The minute you start to rush or panic, you mess up. And that means you got to start from, if not the beginning, at least the middle. So it's always quicker to do it slowly. Um, and then all those threads, then they all have to go through these heddles, which are the little metal, um, metal or string um, kind of like uh, holders for the for their warp threads and they go up and down to give you the different patterns so then all your threads go through those so if you've got two three hundred threads <laughs> it's a it's a lot of work so all that you know and then winding it on and everything like that I mean that could take someone anywhere from you know six to 12 hours to, I've seen that take a student a week to do that process. Um, and then the weaving is the quick part. And you just, you just sit down and you get a good 
you know, good music on or a good podcast or radio station and you just, you get into this beautiful back and forth kind of wave repetition and, and you just, you just go and it's really, really beautiful and meditative. And that's usually the shortest part of the process is the actual weaving. That's your bonus. That's your, that's your, you know, makes it all worth it. I like that you mentioned yeah. muscle memory. I was talking yeah. to another uh, mentor apprentice pair this morning, actually, that were that were weavers as well. And the apprentice said um, that she, you know, wasn't prepared for how physical it was. She said mm-hmm. that sometimes her abs hurt. Yeah. <laughs> she said she wasn't well, that prepared means she's for... doing it well. She's doing it right if her abs hurt, because a lot of students, they don't, you know, I talk a lot in my classes about your body and I make my students get up and stretch and bend over and, and kind of you know, pay attention to their, and I, their, their body and, you know, kind of the angle of their back versus the angle of their arms versus like, if you're a little to the left, you're going to lean more to the right. If, you know, so you really have to be aware of your body or you're just not going to be able to do it. And yeah, if that person was using their abs, then it means they were actually holding on with their trunk, which is exactly what you should do because it means you're not using your back. And so many of us are lazy and we let the back do the work. And you only get half as much work time then because your back is just exhausted. So it's great if she said that. Yeah. Um, So I guess one thing I'm wondering about is like what kind of skills or knowledge is necessary to to become a weaver, to do weaving? Um, Skills and knowledge to start or like to be a functioning weaver? Both. (laughs) so to start skills are patience and um math basic math understanding some people don't realize that's part of it um or not being afraid of math i guess is more the point um but patience is the big one for anyone starting is patience um and and sort of like the the apprentice you spoke to this morning, it is very physical. So being able to be aware of your body and and willing to um, respond to what your body needs is really important in weaving um, so that you can make accommodations as you need to. Um, And also the other thing too is manual dexterity. There's a lot of little finicky things you have to do with your hands. Um, and, you know, a little knot tying, getting threads through little tiny holes. Um, and sometimes it, it's, it, it doesn't come naturally to everybody how to do that. You see people kind of falling over their hands, looking at them, thinking, I don't, why can't I tie this knot, you know? Um, but the skills, and maybe the skills are the same for a functioning weaver or someone who's working as a, as a weaver, um, you know, you, you need to have patience, but uh, you also have to, you need to have knowledge of your fibers and you have to have a good concept of um, what fibers work for what um, situations, you know, depending on, on, on the cloth that you are trying or that you, your goal is to weave, you know, depending on how warm it has to be, or if it has to be water resistant, if it should be light and flowy, if it should be open, if it should be dense, um, if it should felt, if it shouldn't felt like there's a lot of different characteristics of your fiber and your cloth. So you really need to have enough um, wherewithal to either research it if you don't know that fiber uh, or to or to learn enough about your fibers so that you know which ones are the are the correct ones to choose to sample with, as well as, you know, how densely you choose to weave those things, depending on 
the, the, the need of the cloth um, versus the, you know, structure of the cloth, the pattern or what have you. And a follow-up to that, which I think is, is probably quite a difficult question too, um, is mm -hmm. just what makes a good woven product? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, a good woven product, I mean, that's really hard because weaving is something that we, it's, it's on most people every single day and they never notice it and they never realize it. So to be an, an artisan weaver or a craftsperson weaver is a very different thing than looking at um, a mass produced piece of cloth that's woven. Um, every single person I would say listening to this uh, has woven things in their home and they buy them regularly. Their sheets are woven, their towels are woven, their jeans are woven, their jackets are woven you know, at their, their mats are woven. And a lot of that's going to be mass produced, um, obviously, because of price point and availability, which is really important. So, um, you know, for for someone who is a small, you know, a small producer, and or a maker of cloth, you know, with a floor loom by hand, uh, I think for me, the most important thing of a well-made cloth is that it, it functions for its need. Um, you know, whether you need it to be beautiful or you need it to keep you warm um, or you need it to keep you cool, um, that it that it responds to those requirements, you know, and that it's it's been, you know, the weaver has thought about all those, those um, needs, you know, in their design. Uh, you, there's so many different ways to change weaving. Um, you know, you can weave, you can weave your threads very tightly together and, and see just warp basically, you know, like a lot of cultures do, especially in South America, you can weave your uh, warp threads really openly. And so then you get what's called a tapestry weave. So you just see the, the left to right running uh uh, threads and then you have your balanced weaves which is 50 50 you know and you've got your twills and you've got you know there's, there's just so your laces you've got so many different opportunities to to sort of make different you know slightly different cloth uh, that really the most important thing is that your material is correct and the characteristics of the cloth are correct for what it needs to be, um, you know, and that you're using stuff that gives back a lot, you know, very important to me. And not everybody is able to do this, but it's very important to me in my work anyway, that my, you know, the fibers that I am using are not going to come back to haunt me. I'm only going to use natural fibers. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes I will include uh, reclaimed uh fabrics or fibers, but still I'm going to do my be all and end all to just use the ones that are that are natural based. So again, they're not coming back to haunt me that the, for as long as that piece of cloth exists, it's not doing damage. Um, and, and that's really important to me. Again, it really depends on on who the person is and what what their goal is. Um, but it should be well made and it should be well thought out uh, and it should give it should give back. And my next question is just, what is the importance of weaving? Like, why is this an important craft or tradition? Why, why is it something that you think um, should be passed on? 
I guess for me, um, I grew up kind of being ignorant to how cool it was, something I took for granted. Um, and so when I came into contact with it, I guess, you know, and I see it happen in my students even now, and it's always really cool, is, you know, you see this little light bulb and this kind of like little explosion happen in their their faces when you when you have that first weaving class and you make them realize that the pair of pants that they are wearing usually uh, are two threads that are intermingled at a 90 or a 45 degree angle and that's all they are you know and it's just such a simple simple concept that just has such a such a huge impact on our lives you know when you think about uh craft um there's a lot of old crafts um and there's a lot of old skills weaving is one of the oldest that we have found throughout various cultures and peoples and it is so so simple you know you take two things and you put one horizontally and you put one vertically and you 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 know you just intertwine them you know you let them be with each other and you change you 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 just go back and forth and back and forth and you learn it in you know in in grade school this idea let's say well everyone's going to make this placemat and it's you know over under over under over under and i remember that day in school um and then all of a sudden you have this completely different thing you you completely manipulated and changed something and it's really exciting when you can do that um so I just love that. I mean, there's so many fancy ways to weave, but I still just get blown away by by plain weave over and over again. It's uh, it's wild. It still just fascinates me. And I think that's about it for my questions. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add or anything that I didn't ask about? Uh, no, I mean, I think I'd like to say I love this program. I think it's awesome. I think it was so great. And, and um, it was great. Um, it was wonderful to get back in and not even just in touch with a student, but it was wonderful to be able to re-encourage someone, you know, sometimes we learn things in lives, in our lives, and, and then they, it kind of gets put on a back burner, and we never get really the opportunity to, to go back to it. And I think um, this is really nice because it, not just with regards to Chantel and my uh, mentorship, apprenticeship, but just this whole idea of giving people the opportunity to go back and pick these skills up and relearn them or to learn them for the first time and bring them back into it is so important. I mean, so often, you know, we, we, we've just lost attachment to the things we have and why we have them and what they're for, whether that's food, clothing, uh, furniture, or what have you programs like this that allow you to go back and pick that information up and that knowledge and experience up. So you, you, you grow that connection or you relearn that connection or you get it for the first time. I think it's just so super important to, you know, to just communities as a whole. Um, so, yeah, I just, I hope you guys can, can continue to do this thing. It's just great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Tara. You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. 
We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail, and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.